I am Steve Wilkos, and watch me on the Hollywood Raw podcast. These guys ask me questions nobody has asked me before. Hey, everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey, guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood Raw, there's a reason. From Page Six to TMZ, Daily Mail, and People Magazine, everyone is talking about the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt and Adam Glynn. What's up? Welcome to the Hollywood Raw podcast. We got a, a fun one today. We got Steve Wilkos on the show. You might have first saw him on the Jerry Springer show. Now he's got his own show that's what, 15 seasons now? So he's doing great. Seasons. Huge Just show. Crushing it so yes. far. I mean, th- that's the thing. It's like he's been on air for so long, but I was looking over some of his numbers. I mean, the, the show's still getting like a million people a day to tune in and watch his show. And then his social numbers are through the roof. So we'll get into all of that with him. I mean, just really success, like just his storyline going from being like the security guard. Well, I'm sorry, a police officer to being a security guard on the Jerry Springer show to having your own show like I mean, what a wild story he's had. I mean, but but if this is the first time you're tuning in to the Hollywood Raw podcast, you know, we're we're not your typical interview show. We dive deep into these celebrities, not asking the normal questions that everyone asks along the way during a a junket or whatever. We like to get into their lives, how they got to where they're at. Um, We've had some amazing guests on this podcast over the years, including Mark Cuban and Tony Robbins and um farah abraham i mean our our <laughs> our, our list is wild Pippen, i mean it's it's a pretty wide range of celebrities but we look for people that are interesting that are fun that also get it and don't bullshit you know yeah. and uh and i i think steve is one of those people um dax you see my sweatshirt by the way see this sweatshirt i'm wearing oh look at that you see what this is do you know what brand this is nope can you say it municipal Yes. Okay. So this is uh, Mark Wahlberg's brand. I did this video that's on our TikTok, on the Hollywood World TikTok, and the Hollywood okay. World social media, where I interviewed Mark Wahlberg. And I, you know, if, if you guys are first listening, I do celebrity interviews. I'm a journalist. I run around the sh- streets of New York City doing these street interviews. Mark Wahlberg was in New York, and I got him. And I go, Mark, first thing, I got to kiss his ass a little bit. I go, dude, Mark, I love Municipal. That's your clothing brand, even though I don't, I didn't have any of his clothing. I'm not going to lie. I didn't have it, but I like it. <laughs> listen you're a professional ass kisser because it works you get great interviews i gotta hit on him a little bit so i say first man love municipal and then i start asking him about some bullshit anyway i not bullshit but i asked him about his new movie and we start to talk about auditioning but the video did insanely well on tiktok and social media and i got reached out by the municipal social media account and they're like hey man love that video that you do with mark Ooh, really appreciate it they sent me some swag dude. no that's awesome i was like dude, they're my you know thanks shout out to municipal man oh, that was you really go around and tell everyone like mark Wahlberg sent me a shirt yeah, I mean, listen, he, <laughs> he, he did, but I was super, very appreciative of the brand for like sending me some swag. I guess that's how these social media people do it. I'm like, wow, this is oh, what you awesome. got to do. So shout out to Oshkosh Bagosh if you got anything. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to everyone. Anyone who uh, wants to throw us clothing, we will catch it. 
yeah, yes, but no, this was very cool. But like the video did like over a million views on TikTok, and uh, you know they're very appreciative and sent me a nice note, handwritten note, and said that was really cool. You just to mention it, municipal to you're add. You're just it trying to get more free clothing from this. Uh, we're we're gonna move on. Are you just well? Unless you guys want to send me, then I will also mention it. On <laughs> all right, let's get to this. We got Steve waiting for us. We got a review. I want to read real fast as a thank you to someone who took the time to write us a review on iTunes. It's from. Linda Yoga Girl. Oh, this is not it. I've already read this one. Hold on. <laughs> Dang it. I had one ready to go, and now I've lost it. Hold on. Oh. Hold on, guys. Don't go anywhere. I am going to find this. Yeah. Let's talk more about Municipal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I literally had it all ready to go, Adam. How did I mess this up? I'm such a loser. God, I messed everything up. Um, all right. It's from here. Here we go. Uh, from KBS 76. Oh, one. It says, fantastic interviewers, so positive and lighthearted. Ask the questions we want to hear in a respectful way. Great podcast. Thank you, KBS. We appreciate that you took the time to go and uh, just leave that review. It really means the world for us. And uh, it's been helping us climb up the iTunes charts like crazy. Um, sure. Everyone who's spent the time and left us a review. So really appreciate it. But let's get into it. Uh, our, our guest today is a former police officer former security guard for the Jerry Springer show that turned him into a crazy, wild, successful TV host going on 15 seasons. Steve Wilkos, welcome. So, Steve, thank you for coming on uh, the Hollywood Raw podcast. Uh, you had had one of the most insane careers. Like, Did you ever think that you'd be in the place that you're at now when you started your place, you know, your your career in in criminal justice, really? Um, you know, I still don't believe it. You know, I've been in TV since 1994 and, uh, every, every day I wake up and, or if I catch my show flipping through the channel, I'm like, how in the world did this happen? You know, even after all these years, because my father was a paratrooper in Korea and became a Chicago policeman. And I was going to be exactly like my dad. I went into the Marines right after high school, became a policeman. I was going to do the, you know, the job for 30 years, get my pension. And uh, so, you know, one day taking a, a security job for one day turned into a, a whole different career, which, you know, it, when you think about it, it's just it really is insane. I love it. Like, because I think back and, you know, we obviously all met you on the Jerry Springer show. But at what point did you become a personality on the show like you weren't just security there they realized that oh this guy has got a great personality we want to start highlighting him yeah well you know, i i think where it really took a big turn was when they asked me to shave my head and that was uh that was in 1997 and we were doing um you know and i didn't i, I didn't have uh like a full head of hair or anything like that i you know when i came out of the marine i i, I kept my hair short and i was uh uh balding but I had hair. And uh, so we were taping shows down in uh, spring break. Uh, we called them Springer Break. It was Daytona, Florida. And uh, the executive producer at the time said, you know, why don't you shave your head? He goes, I'm going to make you a star. I mean, that's exactly what he said. And so we went and went to a barbershop and they clipped it down as short as they could. Then I went to my hotel room and I took a, a, a blade and I shaved the rest of the way. And it, and I remember, like, the first time I did it, I looked like I ran through a thorn bush because I was bleeding <laughs> all over the place. And uh, But it's it was and – and, you know, this was 1997, so 
that was before really everybody had email, had the internet and everything. So that's when we were still getting fan mail, like actual letters in the mail. And I don't know if you ever uh, saw that movie, Miracle on 34th Street, where they bring the bags of letters in for Santa Claus and, you know, just bags and bags. Well, that's what kind of happened. Like, all of a sudden, I went from having no fan mail to, like, tons and tons of fan mail. And uh, it was just, it was really... shaving your head, though? (laughs) Yeah, because when I shaved my head, and it was right, it was a good call, because then... I stood out, really stood out, like when I was on stage and stuff like that. And uh, it, it, it was it was a turning point, that's for sure. I love the Springer Breaks, by the way. You mentioned that. I forgot about that. That, to me, was just like – like MTV Spring Break was just so iconic, so ideal. I wish they brought it back. I mean, I Yeah, still- we used to do those too. Yeah, those were great. Yeah. What was like the what were the kind of cases or storylines in the Springer Breaks during that time? Do you remember? Well, well, you know, it, it, you know, when you look back at the shows that we did, we're so politically incorrect. There was no way <laughs> you'd be able to pull off those shows nowadays because um, I remember we did a show, and I, I, and I'm only saying this because this was the titles we used. Okay. One was like, you know, trannies something, right? And we had all these uh, transsexuals at spring break and they were in bikinis and stuff and nobody knew they were really, you know, guys or, you know, I don't even know. But like back then it was a totally different world. So I'm not trying to believe politically right now. So those those were kind of like the storylines. and uh, But then there was one we did with uh, Springer Break in um, – with MTV, it was MTV. It was actually MTV's Springer Break, and we we were saying, "What would you do for you know a hundred bucks or whatever it was?" And we were asking uh, uh, people to come on stage, and they would do like crazy stuff. And Jerry would you know ask them to do it. Well, one this one was, "Would you jump rope naked for a hundred dollars or you know, whatever it was, five hundred dollars?" As one guy said, "I'll do it." He comes up, he pulls his shorts down. And all he saw was hair. I mean, <laughs> nothing else. And then Jerry looked at each other like, what the hell? Like, oh, that dude just ruined his life for 100 bucks. You know? <laughs> I think his life was already ruined at that point, bud. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I would say, though, like, obviously the craziness uh, for someone to stand out after 15 seasons. Well, I guess I'm going to say 15 seasons of your show, plus all the time that you spent on the Jerry show. That's pretty impressive to stand out between all the crazy storylines there. But obviously the fighting is is really what, like, I think the Jerry show it, oh, it was yeah. known I mean, for. Come on. That's, that's what propelled it to its number one status where, you know, we were taking on Oprah for, uh, you know, over a year. Uh, the fighting was crazy. And, and the truth of it is I was there before the fighting. And it, it, it did grow organically. Nobody planned that. Um, and it was just like monkey see, monkey do, right? Like, I think some guests saw it happen, and they kind of thought, well, that's allowed, right? And, you know, people just started swinging, and I'll say and this. Then, and then you came in, and you became uh, the massive part of the show because you were the one always seeing how far they can go before you needed to step in. But did you ever get hurt during one of those altercations where they, they kind of got you? Well, nobody nobody really hurt me intentionally. 
Um, I mean, I got hurt many times on the stage. That's why people say, oh, it was fake. I'm like, you know, I had two back surgeries, a concussion. But the worst one was uh, I tore my groin. And it was two girls fighting. And the one they're, they're laying on the ground. They're just holding each other's hair. And I, I bent down, and my groin just snapped. And I thought somebody shot me. I really did. Like I was like, oh, my God, somebody just shot me from the audience. And I collapsed on stage. And but I was pretty close to the back door to the stage. And I, I crawled off and the pain was so intense. They had to call an ambulance for me. And, you know, it was just I was black and blue everywhere down there. It was, that's the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And was it just a bad position? How did you how did you? Yeah, it was kind of awkward. And then, you know, even like one time this really heavy woman was running past me and I grabbed her. And as she was running by, she was like 300 pounds. I felt, I said, I go, man, I came off stage. I, go, I felt something like pop in my back. And sure enough, I, was, I had a blown disc in my back. And I ended up going to have two brutal surgeries because of it. So, yeah, there was, uh, there was times that, you know, you got injured. You took your lumps on there. Dang. When, when you started, you know, obviously working at Springer, you still had a full-time job as an active police officer. How was your boss, the police department, were they cool with you kind of working the side job at on TV and kind of working for Springer? So that's that's a really good question, which, by the way, nobody ever asked me that. Um, so my immediate uh, supervisor, who was my watch commander, he loved the show. He was very lenient with me because, you know, sometimes I'd be late from taping and I'd get late to work. He was very cool with me and, you know, let me – kind of fudge things around. And then my district commander, a guy named Commander Acosta, he was a huge fan of the show too. So he, they were down with me doing it. The problem was there was people that, like I had sergeants or other policemen that, you know, you know, when you, like when you're a cop and you're making more than the mayor of Chicago, it kind of rubs people the wrong way sometimes. Like people are jealous and, you know, I'm pulling into the station with a brand new Mercedes convertible. Like, you know, you kind of draw a lot of attention to yourself. And I probably, if I go back in time, I would correct that mistake. But um, so there was some sergeants that tried to make life a little harder for me because I was, I was getting a little special treatment from my commander, my watch commander. Um, not blatant, but, you know, just kind of helped me out a little bit. And there was, there was people that resented. So on one hand, I had the two biggest bosses, kind of taking care of me. But then there was people, you know, a little lower and they didn't like that. And they tried to make life difficult for me. I, I could see that easily. There's a, a lot of jealousy when someone starts taking off in their career. When, when did you realize like you had finally made it though? Like what was that moment for you were like, damn dude, like this has all come together for me. When they gave me a TV contract. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, I went there for one day and I was, you know, I think the pay was like, $35 an hour, uh, which was a lot of money. It was more than what I was making as a policeman. And so then when the show just, you know, took off, and I guess because I was on stage so much and I was talking that they had to give me a, a standard TV deal. And uh, the first contract was more than more than double than what I was making as a policeman. And you got to remember, this was a part-time job. I think I worked two to three days a week. And so I really was amazed. I was like, oh, my God, this is, to me, it was like a million dollars, you know. 
And uh, I never had a new car and I bought a new car. So it was, uh, that's when I really felt like, oh my God, I, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm as good as gold there. So was your job, did it entail, like, as a security guy, are you there greeting people at the door when they first arrived to the studio, like the audience, or were you just there for, like, TV taping, just to make sure maybe the two parties didn't interact with each other, like, or was your job just to be there in the room when they shoot the show and make sure if they fight, you're the first person there to break it up? So um, that was the good part about me being a director of security. So I was, I, it was my gig, and I hired other guys, so... um I had other guys downstairs when the audience came. Everybody went through a metal detector. Uh, my guys would screen everybody. Uh, you know, when they came to the studio, we would search bags and everything. Because one time we did, we found one one guest brought a gun. Not He wasn't going to do anything. He wasn't crazy. But we're like, you can't have a gun in Chicago. What the hell did you bring a gun to the show for? So things like that. So we did screen everybody. And my guys would screen the guests right before they went on stage. Uh, and they did the audience. Me, I, I basically showed up, did the show. Uh, but then when it came to Jerry, I was Jerry's personal bodyguard. So I was always with Jerry. I traveled with Jerry. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, obviously I made it very good for myself and the other guys did all the grunt work. <laughs> well, I, what was it like when you guys would go out like you and jerry be out in public because i got to imagine the two of you walking around or grabbing lunch would cause quite a frenzy especially at that time yeah yeah it was you know no talk show host or anybody on talk show will ever experience what we experienced i mean being with jerry during the late 90s was like being with elvis presley i mean the guy was the biggest star in the world. Uh, you know, I remember we we were doing we were going doing publicity in London and Amsterdam, and I remember just we would we would be eating somewhere, and the restaurant would have to close its doors because people would just be flying in and uh, just you know mobbing the restaurant, and so they would lock the doors. And I remember one time we were in Amsterdam where we got into limo and they surrounded the limo and they were rocking it and going crazy, and I'm just like. It was insane. I mean, you know, when we were in Chicago, it was it was kind of good because I knew everybody in Chicago and I knew all the security at all the clubs and restaurants and stuff. So we went out, we kind of, there was always a little bit of a barrier. But when we went to other cities, you know, we didn't know anybody. And like, sometimes the security might not be up to what we had in Chicago. And not that I was ever scared, but like, Perfect example, we were in New Orleans, and Jerry was the uh, host of the Indemnian Parade. And after we did the parade, we, Jerry's like, let's walk down Bourbon Street. And I said, no, man, this is not a good idea. <laughs> and he's like, no, let's do it, let's do it. And we got mobbed. I mean, it was un, like we were getting crushed weight-wise, but people just pressed up against us. And so thank God there's people that they were right on Bourbon Street. They had a loft, you know, those balconies up. And they, they brought us up, they let us escape. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was crazy because, you know, we, we would get mobbed. And, and it got to the point where when my pet player took off the show, I was useless as Jerry's bodyguard because I couldn't watch his back because I was trying to watch mine. And uh, so then I after a few years, then I didn't travel with Jerry anymore. I sent other guys because I became too big with distraction. I, I, and Dax, let me tell you, I don't know if you had any encounters with Jerry. Jerry's like one of the nicest guys. Like he's such a good guy and he gets 
and I, I don't say it's weird. He gets the joke. He understands the ridiculousness of his show. So all my encounters with Jerry has been like such a cool guy, so chill, so funny, so intelligent. And his background to where he started to where to him getting the show is he understands he's the first one to beat you to the punchline. He knows how crazy it is. Like he's it was wild at the time. I remember seeing I think it was like. And I could be wrong, and, and, and Steve, you know this better. There was like infomercials going of like the unedited versions of like almost a like Girls Gone Wild style, but of Jerry Springer's show. Yeah. Like yeah. that was like to see like the fights or stuff that wasn't edited. I mean, I mean that was like a huge. I mean, I'm sure Jerry made a lot of money off that because that was people wanted to see everything. I mean, it was. You know, so- unfortunately, he took a he took a bad deal on that first one. Uh, <laughs> Because they they offered him either a percentage of the sales or a flat fee, and he took the flat fee. And that first tape ended up selling like five hundred million dollars. It was the, the biggest grossing videotape of all time. Wow! Um, yeah. So uh, you know the uncensored tape. Like it's funny. Again, this is I, I give my uh, my head off to you because you're asking questions that nobody else asks. Um, when me and my wife, who, you know, she was the executive producer at Springer for years, we watched the second Uncensored tape, and I and I was stunned. I go, man, this show <laughs> is so violent. And I did it. I was breaking up those fights. And when I watched it on tape, because I never watched the show back then, uh, but I watched the videotapes, and I go, Jesus, I, I can't believe how violent this is. That's so funny. No, I... I, I... I, I'm just thinking back all the crazy moments are going through my head. But Adam, to answer your question, yes, I have I've met Jerry once. I have this phenomenal photo where it looks like he's hitting me with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> he came into guest host uh, at TMZ once and uh I was like, Okay, I need I need a really good photo with you. So it's like he's whacking me with a chair. It's really funny, but wonderful, wonderful person, I, I have to admit. Yeah, and, you know, the, the funny thing is uh, and when you tell that story, it doesn't surprise me at all because Jerry's very gracious. I mean, you know, we'd be eating dinner, and, you know, you'd have a mouthful of food and people like, can I get an autograph? And I'd be, I, I wanted to say, you know, come on, we're eating. But Jerry would stop and he would sign an autograph. The guy never said no, never. That's awesome. And, and I'm thinking back to the when the show was on, you would guest host from time to time. What was that experience like for you? Would would you do a bunch of prep or, hey, I've been watching it. I, I kind of get how to do the guest hosting at like this point. Beats. I don't think there was ever one second of prep for anybody that ever appeared on that show. <laughs> me, Jerry, anybody. Uh, so what happened with me was we would just do little segments called Steve to the Rescue where I went out and I – help somebody in some kind of situation. But when I started hosting the show, that was because Jerry was on uh, Dancing with the Stars and they couldn't shut down the production of the show. So they came to me and said, you're going to host. And uh, I was scared to death because even though I had been on the show at this point, I was on the show for like 11 years. And, uh, you know, being the second banana, not having the responsibility of hosting the show was always so easy for me. Um, but then when he came to me and said, you're going to host, I was really nervous, but I said, hell man, just go out there and ask stupid questions like Jerry does. It's not rocket science. And, uh, the shows were very, uh, they rated very well when they aired. And, um, that's what really launched me in getting my own show because they thought Jerry would be the first one voted off dancing with the stars and that 
he'd be, you know, back in one week and that'd be over. Well, he ended up being on that show for like six or seven weeks. And, uh, I ended up hosting like 30 or 40 shows and, uh, they, they read really well. And, and that's what really launched me into getting my own show. Wow. What was Jerry's response after he got to watch like the first show that you hosted? Was it, did he, I don't think he ever saw you? any show I ever hosted. Probably <laughs> not the 15 years of my show. <laughs> he just catches the check for my show. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so you were there from 94 to 2007, correct? Yep. So during that time, the show is super outrageous. And then there was a big. Uh, storylines. People are saying, is the show fake? Is it rigged? Is it real? Are these people actors? How would you, you know, during that time, was there any people that came on and just wanted to make money or just have fun with it? Or like, how, or was there? Well, we didn't pay anybody. So, I mean, you know, guests don't get, guests don't get paid on my show. They don't get paid, uh, you know, being on a spring show. Now, like if you were missing a day of work and you work, you know, like, they might reimburse you for lost wages or something like that, but that, that was it. Nobody got a fee for appearing on a show. Um, so, you know, we're, did people like scam us, make up a, a story? And, you know, I remember there was some comedy troupe from Canada that, Oh, we faked it. Okay. So what you fooled us big deal. Like we're a talk show, you know, this is not national security here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like so, people lied and faked their way on. Eh, who cares? You, you made, made it for entertaining, person, entertaining you know, television. Yeah, and you know, it's it, it. There was so many times. So, like you, every show has like a basic script. Okay, you know, you're going to meet Joe Blow and Susie Q. You know, um, but then with the Springer show, it really was there. You just went off script so much; it was unbelievable. If the story was terrible. We just would start fooling around, man. We didn't even follow the story. Like, we just start pulling each other's pants down and stuff. It was like being in high school. So that's what I love. Like, to me, like, I do my show, and it's, it's a serious show sometimes. And I, I enjoyed doing my show, but there was no funner time in my life than doing the Jerry Springer show. I couldn't wait to get there. It was so much fun. I had all my friends working for me. We'd be hanging out. Uh, we were, we, even my guys were stars at one time. Like and they were, you know, low on the totem pole and everybody knew who they were. So it just was uh, a really interesting time in TV history where, uh, you know, there was, you just went to work and you never knew what was going to happen. And sometimes somebody said something, you just deviated from that or like, Oh, did you, what happened? And we would just go down that road. Uh, so it was, it was just, it was just insane and it was fun. Well, and people took it too seriously. We're like, you know, people like, how can you work on that garbage? And I'm like, well, cause it pays me really well and I love doing it. So, you know, and you know, people are like, you know, it's fun. Like everybody looked down their nose at the, our guests on the show. And I'm like, are you really better than them? Like really examine yourself. Like, you never cheated on anybody. Nobody ever cheated on you. You never raised your voice at somebody. You never been in a fight in your life or, you know, something like that. So I'm like, okay, so some of their stuff is playing out on stage. But if I really dug into you, I'm sure I could find something. No, I, the show is extremely like it's it's entertainment, and that's the way I've always looked at, yeah. you know, Jerry's show is just it it, it entertains you when you needed that entertainment. 
Yeah, it's yeah. so crazy. You know, you you've had a crazy successful show. You're on season 15. So what 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 do you think it is that makes a successful talk show this day and age? Because it's not easy anymore with with TV not being a, a you know just I guess normal networks not being the focal. You've got all these streamers. How do you keep a successful talk show this day and age? Well, one, um, I think when you have uh, let's put it this way, people say to me all the time, like. I could do your job. And I said, yeah, anybody could do my job, right? Like give somebody some cue cards, go on on stage and ask some questions. I said, the only difference is, will anybody watch, right? Like, yeah, you could do my, anybody could do my job. If you can read, you can do my job, but will anybody watch you doing that job? That's the big difference. And uh, there's a couple things with me. I think one, I had the very good fortune of having a million eyeballs on me every day on the Sprinter show. So people got to know me, become fans of mine. And then when I got my own show, they kind of followed over. So I was very fortunate in that regard. But the show that we do is different than every other talk show on TV, where 90% of talk shows during the day are celebrity-driven, celebrity-focused. And so they're all competing. You know, the, the pie is only this big. And, you know, there's a slice like this uh, that nobody else wants but me. And I take it, and I'm not competing against anybody. There's no other shows that cover the stories that we do, or give lie detector tests, or anything like that. And so, you're doing a lot of true crime these days, too, right? Well, like- a lot of true crime. Um, and and you listen, we we go where the ratings are, right? So like when we would do um, stories based on true crime, high profile uh, uh, crime stories, people that were involved in these type of things. The ratings rated really well, and then we got a lot of feedback uh, on social media and everything like that, that we just kind of shifted, and that's that's the biggest focus of our show right now. So, um, like I said, uh, true crime is, you know, it's big on everything. When you look on Netflix or Hulu sure. or everything else, that's where, you know, people, that's the biggest growth of anything. So we just went in that direction. Like I said, and during the daytime, we're not competing against anybody except ourselves. Yeah, no, I, you actually made a really good point. You see, there's a lot of daytime talk shows that come out. A lot of them don't last a year. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to big names, really big names. names. Um, I'm not going to say any more names, uh, Bethany Frankel. But <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You, you, <laughs> you, Was she really a celebrity though? She's like a celebrity, like I'm a celebrity, not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, we could we could go on and on. I mean, Seacrest had a, a talk show. I mean, so many really Jeff really Gross. successful. Yeah, they tried to bring Arsenio Hall back and Ricky Lake and and first of all. I, I remember it was I was it was funny. Um, I did a, a, a company conference, uh, bodybuilding.com, and they flew me and Ricky Lake out there, and I got to meet Ricky, and she was really really nice person. I, but I had an interesting conversation with her where, you know, her show was very successful in the '90s, and you know we were talking about money and you know like you know pay and all this, and. She walked away from a show that she could have kept doing, and she was making, back in the 90s, if you had a talk show, you were making gobs and gobs of money. And, you know, she I think she thought that she was just going to walk back in and her audience was going to follow her back to her new show. And, but you, you, you know, when you're out of mind, you know, you're not on TV, 
your fans are going to move on. Uh, they're going to grow. Uh, they're going to get married, have kids. So your fans have moved on to something else or different parts of their life. And I think that was kind of a shock to her that, you know, people just didn't flock back to her new show. Well, TV's totally different than it was 20, 30 years ago. Now you have a million different entertainment options. And so you, you've got to be careful. Like you, I was scared to jump off the Springer show, right? Don't jump off a speeding train. Sure. And I was like, why, why do I want my own show when I'm on a show that really has legs? And it did. It lasted, I think, wow, 13 or, you know, 11, 12 more years after I left. So I was kind of worried, like, man, what if my show fails? Are they going to let me go back to Springer? You know, because I was on a hit show. I didn't, I didn't need my own show, but it worked out. But, yeah, so it's uh, a lot of a lot of big names. Katie Couric. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the list is probably as long as my two arms put together of failed talk shows in the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah, but you gave me a good perspective. They all kind of do the same thing. You know, I'm surprised Kelly Clarkson's actually doing well. I don't know. Kelly Clarkson's doing well. Drew Barrymore is doing well. But then well, why do the other people? Uh, Kelly Clarkson's doing well. I mean, this is what Drew Barrymore when, when I'm beating you, then you're in trouble, right? Because, <laughs> you know, that show, like Drew Barrymore, I'm not criticizing her, but she probably makes three times what I make. That show costs a fortune, and it does less ratings than I do. So Kelly Clarkson does really well, and I, I, I watched her. I don't watch daytime talk show, but I, I'll check out every show that comes out just to kind of get a feel of it. And I think the, with um, Kelly Clarkson, is she's got really a, a good appeal. I think people really feel connected to her. She's very genuine. Um, and not to say anything bad about Drew Barrymore. I met her once. She was very nice. But that show is very expensive to produce. It doesn't get the ratings. And I, I think everything's so failing at a great rate when it comes out now. They're just like, they're giving shows much more time than they would back when I launched. If, if I would have the ratings that these shows have had when they come out, I would have, I would have gotten not made past 13 weeks. But yeah. now because they have so much money invested, they really give you a lot more rope because to cancel it. Now you, you put all this money to the show and it's not making it. Eh. So we've we've talked about all these like shows that didn't make it and a couple that have, but who who do you admire at, besides Jerry as a daytime talk show host? Who do you look at and you're like they? I uh, I mean she's not on right now, but I loved Wendy Williams. Um, yeah. I really I I I got it. I I thought here you know urban black woman very you know attractive and outspoken, and I thought. You know, TV's littered with middle-aged white men, and I thought that was a really good call to give somebody like her a show. And she's very successful, and I, I've got to know Wendy, and I know she's got some issues with her health right now, and hopefully she gets back on TV. I know Sherry Shepard replaced her with that show, but um, uh, I, I really admired Wendy. I, I loved what she did with her show, and, yeah, so I, I, I really look towards her. You know, like, you know, now that you're in the game, you know how TV works, you know show business, you know what you've met with the the executives, you know what they want or how they think. Shows like you mentioned Drew Barrymore, you know, from my opinion, yes, the show costs a lot of money, but they get huge stars. So they're willing to take a loss because the stars she gets because it becomes sort of like a commercial for the network. Is that how some of these shows work? 
I'm sure, like I can't speak to that because <laughs> obviously we get no celebrities. Um, but yeah, it might be like a loss leader, right? The grocery store, you know, you put something up front and brings people in, but you're making money on something else. Yeah. Uh, and it, right. I, I mean, I haven't seen the show since it launched, but you know, I know she like, she's friends with every big A-list name in Hollywood. And I know she gets big stars on there. So, but you know, I do know nobody in today wants to lose money because the money is not there like it was 20 years ago. So even though you might bring, bring in this and it's a vehicle, I mean, I, I don't know how that works, but I just, I know with us, if you're not making money, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you guys have done an amazing job because it's not just, you know, monetizing the television show, which has been insanely successful. It's also the socials. It's the YouTube yeah. and everything like that. How, you know, how much of a focus is that for you? Like, you know, obviously the, the, the industry's changed where, yes, you had to put so many hours into the TV show and the main focus of the TV show. But how many hours are you personally, not just behind the scenes people, are you kind of like, okay, guys, now we got to work on doing stuff for the social? Well, so digital now is a huge part of TV, right? Like, I, and I didn't even understand it uh, because I don't have social media. I've never been on Facebook. Uh, I had Instagram. I deleted it because I thought it was just a big time suck. Um, you know, so I didn't understand it. But I do understand younger people. That's, I mean, my kids never turn a TV on. Never. They're on their phones and they're looking at or their their little laptop or whatever and they're they're looking at whatever they're watching is all content on, you know, Instagram or whatever. So I, I didn't understand it, but my wife would say, okay, we're going to do this at home. We're going to tape you, you know, eating 10 different slices of pizza or, you know, uh, you're going to make Thanksgiving a, a dish. And so we started doing it. And at first I hated it. Right. Like I'm like, when I'm at home, I don't want to be working. But she's like, this is a big thing and we need to monetize it and it's good for the show and it brings in a different revenue stream. Well, this past February, I got a digital check and I said, hey, let's do digital every day. I'm down. <laughs> let's, like, let's go social media, you know? I was going to say, like, you're, you're being modest here, but I saw some of these numbers that you guys were rolling in, like 147 million views on Facebook year to date like yeah. that blows my mind and then I, I saw what 2.6 million on youtube I, I mean your numbers are just out of control they are so you're so successful on digital uh big round of applause for you so i can understand why those checks are, are looking pretty fresh coming in from digital yeah so you know that's that's a whole new revenue stream for us um and so like i you know when you you know, when they're asking you to do something and you're not getting any more money, you're, you know, like anybody, you're like, what the hell? But when I got that check, it, uh, you know, your eyes kind of open up a little bit and say, okay, I, I get it. And we need to focus on that too. So, so looking back, I remember there was a really infamous show, uh, our episode with this like father daughter that were admit to having sex back in, in the day. That being said, do you have any lines that you're like, we won't cover this topic or that's too far or everything's on the table. I don't care what the topic is. So I'm in a very unique position of having my wife as my executive producer. So and my wife, you know, I, I, I'm not just blowing smoke. She's probably the best daytime talk producer in TV. I mean, she ran the Springer show for years. Uh, 
brought my show from a nothing to what it is being on for 15 years. Uh, so I really trust her judgment. There's times that I didn't want to do things. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And my wife's like, just do it. It's good for the show. <laughs> and I did it and it rated really well and it worked out great. So I learned my lesson a long time ago. She's got my back. She's not going to put me in a bad position or do something that's going to put the show in a bad light. She's always protecting, you know, it's our name. It's her name too. So she's not going to do anything that's going to really be bad for me. So whatever the topic is, I just go in. I, and I, like I said, the first couple of years, I used to fight her on things. I'm like, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. Now I just learned, just do it, get it done and go home. <laughs> Where do you even find them? Where do you, like, was that like, hey, did you guys do like, I remember seeing like in the old school daytime, are you dating someone and you have a secret that you've never told them before? Where do you, how did that episode come out where, or even well, we, find these We people? don't find anybody. Everybody finds us. So <laughs> that, that's, that's. Man, You're like I'm a magnet for crazy. I love I'm, it. I, I'm giving you guys mad props because this, you know, when I do interviews, I get the same 15 questions every time. So that's another good question. <laughs> so TV has changed, right? So back in the days when I first started Springer, the producer would be cold calling people, right? Like, you know, selling timeshares. Hey, you know, would you like to buy a timeshare? We would, they would call, cold call people and get leads, and they'd have to make phone calls all the time. And that's a hard way of doing it. But then, you know, now with the Internet and we run these things, you know, on social media and the show – if you're involved in this or you need Steve's help, call this number. So we get thousands of phone calls every week. And uh, so we don't have to find anybody. We have uh, bookers that, that they listen to these uh, voicemails and they go through them. Then the production assistant will call these stories and things that they actually contact the people. Then it gets put to the assistant producer, then the producer, then it kicks, kicks up. You know, it just keeps going up this chain. And then my wife, We'll have the final decision if that show comes, but it's just thousands and thousands of voicemails of people calling in that want to be on the show. That's amazing. Steve, are lie detector tests really reliable? (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to tell you an interesting story. It was season three or season four, and we had uh, there was a woman on who thought that her boyfriend was or husband. I was I don't remember. But she was with this guy, and she thought the guy, her guy, was sleeping with his best friend was this woman. And they came on, and they swore, no, we're just friends. We've known each other forever. We're just friends. And th- so they both come on, the, the friend and the husband, and they both fail for sleeping with each other. Wife goes crazy. Boom, boom, boom. But the husband and the friend are so convincing. I mean, Academy Award winning performance, like, no, it's not true. This test is wrong. And they were they were so convincing that I thought, maybe we got this wrong, right? Like, oh my God, I don't want to destroy this marriage if we're getting this wrong. So after the show was over, I said to the producer, bring the guy in and then the girl, but separate them. I want to talk to them. And I had never done that in the whole course of my show. And it's the last time I've done it. So they bring the guy in. I go, it's just you and me. Did you sleep with her? He goes, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, all right, man, it's best is accurate. You know, so I just, we we let it go at that. (laughs) 
that's amazing. Wow. So, so you know, you know, to wrap, you know, our time up. At least my last question for you is like, I like your approach, the way you do your show, because you're not aggressive. Like you have a fine line between being patient and aggressive, but also, it's it's refreshing to have someone just to be kind of real to talk to them. You know, I don't have, I don't, you're not an expert and I don't say that negatively. I say that you're, you're just kind of a real dude who's kind of been around, been exposed to a lot as a police officer, as a talk show host, you know how to kind of orchestrate a, a, a successful show. Um, is there any beef between you and someone like Dr. <laughs> Phil? Because like Dr. Phil is sort of like, I'm a know I know what I'm doing. You know, he, he's got, he's got a, a few more hair on the side of his head, but besides you, so he's got that whole ring. But like, how is that? Are you guys cool with each other or have you ran into each other? I've, I've never met him. Um, you know, I, I, I am sometimes like people say, Oh, you're, you're a tough Dr. Phil. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what that means because, and to your point, I graduated high school with a 1.2 grade average, okay? <laughs> Not that I was dumb, but I wasn't interested in high school at all, except for the girls I met there. That was it. That's the only reason why I went to school. Um, I didn't go to college. Uh, you know, I, I went into the Marines right after high school, and then I became a policeman. Now, I read all the time. I stay up on things. I try to educate myself on many, many different things. But uh, you're right. I am no expert. I don't have a college degree. I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't have a beef with anybody, really. Um, because why would I? Nobody's. If somebody came out and maybe tried to duplicate my show and start doing lie detector tests, and uh, I know, I know they try to. Uh, you know John Tapper, who does the show sure. uh, Bar Rescue. Mm-hmm. So. The executive producer that launched my show, he, you know, for whatever reason, he left the Springer show. He was gone. Well, he tried to launch a new show with that guy and kind of made some disparaging remarks about me, like John Tapper's Dirty Harry and I'm like Adam Sandler, like I'm a clown. And I said, well, I actually carried a gun, a 357 on my hip, and I locked up bad guys and put guys in prison and fought guys and and I go, John Tapper has worked in the bar industry his whole life. He's, I'm sure he's probably never been in a life and death situation ever in his life. And, you know, and I don't know him, but like that kind of rubbed me the wrong way when they were trying to launch him to p- compete against me and saying like, I was like a, like a fraud, you know, like, what are you talking about? I was the real deal. I walked the streets of Chicago, you know? So that's the only time that came close to the beef. And then that show never went anywhere anyway. So, you know, there you go. Who's laughing now, Jake Tapper? But he's, he's, I'll say this, and nothing against him because this was the executive producer doing this, not him. Sure. And he's had a very, you know, I've watched his show. It's very good. To me, it's a little repetitious the way he does his uh, stories with the bars. But he's had a nice, obviously, a very nice long run himself on, on TV. It does Absolutely. a good show. It's, it, I mean, it's they kind of run in marathons now. I, it's it's yeah. fine. It's 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 content. You know, th- th- that's the one thing I would fear. Well, I think it's a double edged sword. When they run you massively like that, you're very successful, right? And I'm sure you're making a ton of money. It's like ridiculousness on uh, is it yeah, MTV, MTV or yeah. yeah? I used to love that show, but they, it airs 24 hours a day on this on and. It kind of lost its appeal for me, and and I did the show because I really wanted to be on it because I really 
when it first came out, me and my wife and kids, we'd watch and we watched the whole marathon. And, but then I think shows burn out like that, right? Like you would just run them all day so long. You must not be a Kardashian fan because that's on 24-7. <laughs> I've never watched it. Not even. You've never movie. watched a single episode of the Kardashians? No way, man. The, it hasn't even just come on in the background at some point in your life? Nobody in my family. Like, so my wife obviously doesn't watch that. Uh, and my kids, like, I don't think, so I have a 19-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old son. I don't even know if they really know who, I mean, I'm sure they know who the Kardashians are, but they don't follow them. And I wonder, like, I, who, I don't even know who their audience is. I, I would think a lot of women, right? I, I love this right now because this is amazing <laughs> to me <laughs> that your children wouldn't, like, they they wouldn't even watch the show ever i, I love well, this but i'm just I'm not not obviously they're very successful i'm you know i met kim she's very nice to me um but i to me i don't see the appeal of that show but there's many shows that i like yeah. sports and uh you know i me and my wife at night we right now we're watching um on hulu uh godfather of harlem you know with uh, bumpy <laughs> johnson we, we're loving that but so I'm saying like, that's, that's a show that just does not interest me. I'm going to be, I'm 58 years old. I'm, I don't want to watch a bunch of young women that are really rich and do a talk show that, you know, they make a hundred million dollars and I make a fraction of that. So maybe I'm jealous, right? You know, yeah. But right. it just doesn't appeal to me. All right. My last question for you, Steve. What is the craft services table like on your show? How are you treating your people pretty good? Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show it to you, okay? Ooh, all right. This is gonna be I our got first one right here. Do you see that? Yeah. What is it? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have services. Bring your own apples. So, so show up with your own food. Bring your own food to work. So we, a couple of times we were out in LA, and this is when Springer Show was, you know, huge. We did Austin Powers and. Uh, we did like with the Wayne brothers between brothers, they had uh, a show. And I remember going out to Hollywood and we'd be on set and they had those craft services tables, right? And like bagels and everything. And, you know, I, me, and, me and Jerry were right there like stuffing our faces and people were like, have you ever eaten, eaten before? And I'm like, we don't get this. Like we don't get <laughs> nothing, you know? So like the fact that they have these craft services table, man, like I just ate all day long when I was on set. <laughs> I mean, even TMZ had quite an epic uh, snack room going yeah, on. Yeah, that's a whole kitchen full of everything you could possibly want. That's that's a that's a, a West you, Coast thing because in you know, Chicago we had nothing. You know who had a really good one? Ellen. Ellen's oh, really? craft service like area was unbelievable. Just you could get tons of food and drinks. It was awesome. But, you know, I wonder if it's like that now because I've noticed, you know, when you used to go on different shows, they'd have like a basket with you and it'd be like a coffee mug and a T-shirt and a bunch of little goodies in there. And now when you go anywhere, there's nothing anymore, man. You don't get nothing. So you I get a glass of water, maybe yeah, tap I, water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think these, uh, I think uh, these shows are cutting back a lot. You know, it's so funny. I used to in 2005, 2006. I was a right. I used to be at the. I was interning at the Howard Stern show, 
And I remember I would go to the guests and there's this like Steven Tyler in the green room and like huge stars. And I'd be like, hey, can I get you guys some water? And like, yeah, sure. We love some water. And I'd come back with paper cups of water and they'd be like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Like it was so sad. Like, oh, thank you. Like it was like, like I was giving them porridge, you know? And I remember uh, the guy from six, 60 Minutes was doing a special on Howard Stern. And I forget, Brad uh, or ben, the guy who passed away, who's one of the hosts of 60 Minutes, a black guy. Uh, anyway. I remember he was just like, you know, like, hey, guys, we're going to get breakfast. What can I get you? And he's like, oh, I'll take and orders like this huge breakfast. I'm like, all right, you got can you give me money? He's like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, like I was like, we don't we don't budget for work. And like, I felt so bad, like weird, like going up to him like, OK, cool. Hey, can you give me money? Like, you don't know who I am. I'm not going to pay for you. But yeah, it's so but great. Just, uh, we'll end, you know, if you want to end on this. So this is a perfect story. So the New York station, PIX in New York. When when I started with Jerry, you know, like when we would travel to New York and he would do that was the station that my my show airs on now and that Jerry aired when he was on TV. And we'd go to PIX and over the years, I met Kim Kardashian there. I met Joan Collins there Ed Norton. Uh, Every day you'd go in and and it was like Grand Central Station in back in the green rooms like they had five makeup artists and people running around left and right. And they had uh, a table with bagels and, you know, all kind of breakfast stuff. Cause you, you know, it was really early morning news and, you know, they had all this food and everything. And then over the years, you know, it was little less, few less people. Now, when you go, I'd have to mic myself. There's no, <laughs> there's no makeup people. There's no other celebrities there. And now I haven't been there since COVID like, in studio it's been more than a couple of years now so it's just it's kind of sad how it's all went away where it used to be kind of glamorous and you know there to all these people and it it was the hustle and bustle and now when you go to these tv studios they're like the tumbleweeds are blown through you know so true so true i can agree with you more yeah it's well, great. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. And for anyone, make sure you check out and subscribe to Steve's YouTube page. It is crushing. He's got over a million subscribers on there. Crazy popular channel. Uh, it highlights a lot of uh, the clips from his show he puts up on there. Uh, you can head on over to stevewilkos.com as well, where you can catch his show. But uh, follow him on Facebook because he's just destroying that as well. I mean, be a part of the 147 million views year to date coming in on there. Uh, Steve, you're crazy successful. It's been really fun to hear your just your life and how it unfolded and how it became to where it is today. We wish you wish you so much more success and thank you for stopping by our show. Well, and I, I just want to say it was, it was a great interview. It's refreshing to talk about things that you haven't said a thousand times before. So thank you guys. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. I like him. Uh, I liked I him say- a lot, dude. He was yeah. fun. He's really- just, you know what it is? He, he, I, he's the type of guy who I would love to have a drink with. Like I felt like we were at a bar having a drink with him, and he's just like shooting the shit. You know, I feel and, like uh, after that interview, we might get invited to go have a drink with him because he was. <laughs> I think he liked us. <laughs> no, he, liked, he liked us, but no, he was a cool guy, fun guy, and I just like. I again, we use this word a lot. We use this word to describe our podcast. But I appreciate how he humanized his career, his job, his, what he does for a living, you know? Yeah. And honestly, if you're not a Steve Wilkos uh, viewer, I think after this interview, maybe you want to give it a shot because he's just a likable guy. Like, I get it. I get why you give a guy like that a show. He's just a likable, 
normal, I, real I, dude. I love the story about shaving his head was basically launching his career. I don't know. For some for some reason, that's it's so funny. You would never equate it to that. Like you would think, oh, his personality, he took someone down. And so everyone started like him. No, he shaved his head and fan mail poured in like that to me is so funny. But I don't know. You know, what I, would say? I appreciate him just kind of being real about the Drew Barrymore show where like, yeah, she's a very nice person. Yes, she gets big stars on her show. However, I'm beating her in the ratings. I mean, this is you know, I, I appreciate him just kind of being kind of blunt about it, where a lot of people would kind of play the game and kind of dance around it. And I wasn't trying to, you know, t- I wasn't trying to clickbait him. I wasn't trying to set him up for. Yeah. But he was the one like, hey, listen, yeah, she's a successful person. But at the end of the day, I'm. My ratings are winning, and I love his perspective where everyone tries to do these celebrity talk shows, and they just repeat themselves. So he's like, listen, you guys do that. I'm going to do my own thing, which he's doing true crime right now in his show, which is a huge genre. People love that, and we love true crime. We have a podcast on uh, on her dad called uh, Innocent Till Tipsy where they've been covering the Johnny Depp story in, in detail. It's, it's, it's a really good podcast. We love that stuff. But I uh, – I don't know. He's just a good dude. But uh, if you want to see the video of this portion of this podcast, we have a YouTube page where we have celebrity videos. We have great content on there. We have clips that we kind of put out that you can't find anywhere else. Um, make sure you leave yeah, us a review. Best thing like, yes, please leave us the reviews, guys. We appreciate it. We are climbing up the charts. We were flying up the charts this week. Uh, but it is all thanks to you guys and for actually going, taking the time, leaving a review because that's really kind of what helps the algorithm in Apple. And that is what they reward you. They send you up the charts based on obviously downloads, but really, uh, uh, reviews. It's huge for us. Huge, huge, huge. So if you can take two seconds out of your day to go just say hi, guys, and then leave that five star, we appreciate it. Mucho. Uh, make sure you follow Adam on all his social media platforms at the Adam Glenn, and you can find me at Dax Holt across everything except for TikTok because some a hole took Dax Holt. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm Dax underscore hold on there. Uh, But other than that, thank you guys. Have a great one. We will see you next time. A Huda Media Production.